Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I have with me today a retired police major and a fantastic trainer who is involved in a fairly new product that I really want everybody to learn more about. And so I'm going to let him explain to you what Bola Wrap is and how it's starting to really revolutionize uh, how police officers deal with specific individuals, particularly people who are mentally ill. Mario Knapp, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Betsy. I want people to know about your police career because it's a it's a really stellar one. So let's start uh, by talking about that. Yeah, so I started in Miami-Dade in 94. I went through the ranks. I did the I did some SWAT work. So I'll just shorten it by saying I, I don't have an investigative background. I can't investigate my way out of a paper bag. <laughs> um, my career took me towards tactics, enforcement, and uh, and training. And so I I went up the ranks. I did a uh, sergeant. We started the taser program, so I did all the less lethal and use of force subject matter expert work as a sergeant. Did that then as a lieutenant. Ran a robbery intervention detail in Miami. Uh, came back to training, then eventually as a captain, and then I finally retired as the major of our Special Patrol Bureau, where there I oversaw our SWAT, canine, motors, marine patrol, aviation, divers, uh, rapid deployment force, and it was a quite an operation. So you got to supervise all the fun stuff. All the, the boys' toys, yes, that was it. <laughs> So how did you get involved in, I know you were involved in TASER. In fact, you were a TASER. Were you a master instructor? Yeah, so I was a training advisory board member for TASER. I did two rounds on the board there. Okay. And uh, so how did you come to be involved with Rap? So, you know, being a a subject matter expert or use of force guy for Dade County, obviously we have to be, uh, we have to familiarize ourselves and keep current with any tool that's out there. And so the bowler app, when it was first introduced, I looked at it. I thought it was interesting. Um, and then later on, uh, as I learned more about it and, and with my experience at work and seeing what it would mean to the mentally ill community and, and crisis intervention. And, you know, as you get older, I think you start realizing things. And I have kids now growing up. And I said, you know, if my kids were going to be in front of the police at some point, I'd rather them, you know, have deal with something that's a little more or a little less intrusive, right? And so uh, I really got interested in that from a use of force point of view. And then uh, I just dove in. They offered me a position there and I, and I took it. So we're going to talk about what Bola Wrap is, how it was designed and how it helps the law enforcement community. But before we do any of that, I want to show people uh, the deployment of Bola Wrap so they understand what we're talking about. So take a look at this, and then we're going to explain what's going on here. Hold on, hold on. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Let him go. Relax. Hey, we're here to help you. We're here to help you, man. Tomorrow, we want to help you, man. Let us help you. Let me explain something to you. Your family? Yes. See this device here? Yeah. This will wrap him. This will wrap him around him. If we got to, then that's what we'll have to do. He said he might have to wrap him so they can calm down and sit him down. Tomorrow, stay right there. 
Cuff him, cuff him. Yep. All right, see these hooks? These, uh -huh. they, they grab into the, the clothes. They're like little fish hooks. 447, 400, bowler rat support. Oh, so it's not like the pink? No, it's quick. It's for stuff like this because they don't mean to hurt anybody, right. but we just, we're not, we don't want to taser him either. And he doesn't know. Doing good. Doing good. Relax, we man. We got you. We got you. All it does is wrap around them like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that. It's like a Batman tool. Okay, so now folks have a better idea of what the bowler wrap is. And it looks pretty, um, it's very science fiction-y. And, uh, um, but talk about, Mario, how, first of all, how did somebody come up with, um, and talk about who did, come right. up with that kind of technology, that Spider-Man sort of technology? Yeah, so the idea was, uh, it was, uh, the inventor's name is Woody Norris who had invented a lot of other things like the LRAD, the long, long range acoustic device. So he's, he's a, he's a uh, serial inventor. And he basically wanted to solve the problem of exactly that. Like, what do we do when we're trying to put somebody in, under control? Because it's easy to fight someone. It's difficult to control someone, right? And I think police understand that. Um, and so that's what they did. And so they came up with this patented handheld pre-escalation tool that's designed to do just that. It discharges a Kevlar tether um, that has two anchors on either end. And basically what it does is it wraps around the person, catches onto the clothing, and you can't, uh, in other words, you can't extend your legs any further than where they were at the moment that you were wrapped. So why is the tether Kevlar? Because of the, the it's, it's really strong cord, right? And so it's, 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 it's really strong. It's 380 pound tensile strength. Um, and so it's really hard. And remember that the way the, the cord works is it's cumulative in the sense that if, if I grab it from here to here and pull, it's 380. But if I double it, it's now six, let's do the math, 760. And if I triple it, you know, and it continues to get cumulative. And so that's why Kevlar is just a really strong uh, uh, cordage. Okay. So how close do you have to be to somebody to deploy this? You, we want you to be anywhere between 10 and 25 feet, but optimal distance is between 15 and 20. So you want to imagine that when I, when I deploy the device, this, this is it right here, right? So when I deploy it, the two anchors fly out and the tethers go out. And so you want to give it sufficient distance so that when the body or the, the target interrupts the cord, it has the fulcrum to actually orbit the body and, and, and grab them. So you don't want to be too close. It's not so much a safety issue. It just, we need the distance for that fulcrum to orbit, to cause the orbit. So give me a, a common situation where a police officer would utilize the bola wrap. So as you know, I mean, police get called to everything from, from cats in the, in the tree to, you know, shootings and active shooter scenarios. And that, and we run the, the, the gamut of every call that you can think of, but more and more we're, we're dealing more with mentally ill people. Um, there's a lot of crisis intervention team uh, situations and, and training that we're going to. And really that's where we see the most value is just imagine, you know, I tell people all the time, if my 15 year old son was in the front lawn armed with a broomstick and he was off his meds and he was acting erratically, and 15 police officers were there, 
I would prefer all 15 officers to deploy the, the, the bowler wrap on him and wrap him simultaneously than any single one use any means of traditional or conventional force. Because we know how volatile that becomes, right? Um, we know what the, what the anticipated result of a properly delivered blow with, a, with an expandable baton. You know, it's going to be a bruise, it's going to be a broken bone or something, or, or, or a properly delivered, you know, uh, punch to the face. Uh, you know, sometimes officers have to respond to, you know, to, to violent people. And we feel that it's much safer and much less intrusive to be able to control and limit the person's movement from a distance of 15 to 20 feet. So I think that we're going to have, and I have heard people already say this, that people are going to say, well, and we heard this when we started using taser. Well, this is great. We'll never have to shoot anyone again. Can you explain why just because we have a tool, a good tool like the bowler wrap, um, why that's never going to eliminate the use of it? It's never going to eliminate it. Uh, remember, the firearm is a tool that's designed for a specific genre in terms of response. And so is a taser and so is the bowler wrap. Uh, you, you cannot, so we've gotten asked, uh, well, what about in an active shooter scenario, will the bowler wrap work? And I'm like, no, it won't. It's not designed for that. This is designed as a protective element, right? To protect a, how can I say, to protect a bad guy from his own actions or a mentally ill person from his own actions to allow us to go in there and avoid using force. A firearm is a force tool. A taser is a force tool, you know? Um, those are what we call police defense weapons. The bowler wrap is a force avoidance tool designed to do nothing of the sort. We're, we're trying to limit the person's mobility so that we can handcuff them uh, uh, seamlessly without causing injury or pain compliance. Using the bowler wrap on a mentally ill person, what kind of success has have different departments had with that we've seen a lot of success stories um and what's interesting about it too is that when they're properly trained when the officers are properly trained they actually when the family is around they actually explain to the families what's what they're going to see and what's going to happen and what you'll see in a lot of uh, of the body worn camera footage that we do receive that agencies are willing to give us you do see a lot of sisters mothers walking up to the officer saying thank you so much because they you know Thank you for explaining to us what was going to happen. And thank you for using that instead of any means of, you know, conventional force. So we've seen a lot of a lot of success with it. But, you know, like every tool, it's got its limitations. There's no magic, uh, uh, you know, I, I hate to say, use the word term bullet, but there's nothing that's going to work 100% of the time, all the time, you know. And so we find a lot of success with the bowler app because one of the things we were looking at very early on is we do demos and everybody wants to see a perfect wrap. And that it closed the person's legs and you know like everything else we learn a lot by going out and, and teaching people and, and seeing what they're doing and we actually learned also that the rap wasn't even as significant in terms of defining success because if i were to for example wrap them and it's really loud it sounds like a gunshot and when the person looks down and generally what we get is that that ooda cycle interruption and they're looking around what just happened and by the time they look up officers are grabbing them and they're able to handcuff them, even though we didn't get a, a, a perfect wrap because it was either too far or too close or whatever happened. And uh, so we're seeing a lot of success there. And so we, we, we gotta be really careful how we define success. I mean, we're looking at success as an outcome 
not as, you know, not like, well, did the laser work or did something go, you know what I mean? Like something right. uh, minuscule. We're, we're looking at the outcome. So when you train, and we're going to get into training in a minute, but, but when you train an officer to uh, properly utilize the BOLA, um, you, are you also training them in, um, you know, verbal de-escalation and, and things like that, but before they deploy it? And my follow-up question to that is, um, because I like that surprise element to it. Mm-hmm. Are you warning the subject? How do you explain to the subject what's about to happen or do you? Well, so, so remember with de-escalation, it's kind of hard to de-escalate someone, something and to build a rapport with someone when they're out, you know, like when, when their, their faculties are not together, they're off their meds. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying that that's challenging. So obviously we do talk about how the moment you deploy the bolo wrap, we say all the time, more important than what you do with the bolo wrap is what you do directly after the bolo wrap, right? And after the deployment. And so the idea is to really slow down the intensity of the event, almost de-escalation by, by, by definition, right? And, and get as many people there as we, as we can. If it's not an imminent threat situation, just kind of give the person time, move around, let, let him move and kind of mirror his movement. But once the decision is made to deploy the bolo wrap, it can be one, two, three uh, devices deployed at the same time or in, or in synchronization. And the moment that happens is to go in and, and you know, try to take the person and control the person physically. Um, the beauty of the bolo wrap is that if you compare it to any other means of force, um, it's really difficult for any person to be willing to take, for example, more than one uh, uh, exposure with a conducted energy weapon. Or get in there, get, done that. Yeah, not going to do go, it again. Right? Yeah, and so, or even with a with a an expandable baton, how many strikes are you willing to take? Because we know the outcome, right? Where the bolo wrap, the second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth application is no more intrusive than the first. And I would assume that, and uh, that you can use this on a, a fairly young person, correct? Yes, as a matter of fact. Um, I wanted to do, do, to do it with my 11-year-old daughter. Uh, I wanted to kind of uh, to wrap her, and she wanted to do it. But that day, I said, no, these cartridges just cost money. Let's not do that. Uh, but I did, I did wrap my 15-year-old son eight times consecutively, um, and he's got a smile on his face. From the first to the second to the third, by the, by the time the eighth one happened, he's still looking at me with a smile on his face. So it's really hard to, um, to compare it to any other tool that's out there available to police. So talk about how many agencies in the United States, um, Mario, are currently using the bowler wrap because I find it kind of surprising. And then talk about the worldwide use of this tool. Right. So we have uh, we have bowler wraps in over 700 agencies within the US. And we're in, I think, now 52 countries that that are that are testing the bowler wrap. But you remember the so the bowler wrap 150 we launched this late October, right? And um, so agencies, as you know, with any, with any law enforcement tool that, that, uh, that's highly litigious, in other words, it's gonna be used in, in the anatomy of a police confrontation, they gotta do a lot of testing and evaluation. And so there's a lot of agencies that are still demo, or, or I'm sorry, t and on a pilot program and stuff like that. And so we're about to, I know LAPD is about to start a, an initiative where they're gonna they're gonna run the units in both Hollywood and central districts, um, 
And that's generally what we'll, you know, what we see smaller agencies run faster. They're more agile. They can buy, you know, a hundred of them really quick and get them uh, deployed fairly quickly. But usually larger agencies take a little longer because of the testing and eval period. Um, so when we're talking about obtaining the BOLA wrap, what's the procedure that you go through an agency? You know, do you start with a demonstration and then training and arming? Because here's here's one of my thoughts is mm -hmm. police officers already have so many tools that they have to deal with mm -hmm. and so many things on their body, including their body cam. Um, how do you remedy all of that? And, and what's the full training procedure for all of that? So let's start with, uh, if say that you've never seen the bowler app and you want to take a look at it, we'll, we'll go over there. We'll do a demonstration for your command staff. We encourage not just your command staff and trainers. We encourage community groups. We encourage, you know, your city councils, have everybody come out and, and see what it is. Cause there's no, you know, the, I, I think the product sells itself in terms of its application and reduce and injury reduction capabilities, right? Um, but once we do that, then we'll go out and we'll train your instructors and we'll certify them as instructors so that when they roll out the program, they can continue to certify as many people as necessary in the agency. Some agencies will start with, I don't know, a, a pilot program of five units and like LAPD, you'll notice 500 units. So it depends, it's really agency specific. Um, now, in terms of carry options, we do have uh, thigh holsters. We have Molly that you can put on a, belt, on, a, on a vest. We do have belt mounting options. But that's, again, like you said, that's the problem. It's a fight for real estate, and the real estate is on the person, right? Uh, we, we're, we're now experimenting with some, some vehicle mounting options just because they're, you know, if you have a small stature officer, there's no place for them to put it left, you know? And so we don't want to be the hindrance. We want to be the tool that's always out there with you, but we don't want to be a hindrance to you either. I can see that being an issue, the real estate, because we do have a lot of smaller officers and we have a lot of things we're required um, yeah. to carry. Do some agencies just start with maybe supervisors carrying it or? Um, yeah. What so, do you so, yeah, I think so. Generally, like every like every pilot program, they'll start usually with supervisors, right? Because there's not a lot of policies in place at the moment. Uh, especially when you're teening something. Uh, but the problem is that supervisors aren't always there. And so the only value you're ever going to get from the device itself is having it on your person. So now it comes to one of those, like, what are you going to, I mean, do you, hopefully let's, do you don't have to remove anything. We're not advocating to have to remove anything, but at some point it's going to be a decision you have to make. Um, and that'll be agency specific, specific and, and, and officer specific. What kind of success stories are you hearing from your customers? Okay, so I'll tell you the single biggest problem I think that I see with the tool is that when used early enough in a confrontation and used appropriately, we will never find out how bad the situation could have gotten. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so we don't want to be the company that goes out and says, oh, look what happened to that guy because he didn't have the bullet. We're never going to do that. We're supporters of law enforcement. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a use of force guy. We're never going to do that. But the challenge that we have is we can only say, wow, that could have gone really bad, but we interfered and we, inter we intervened early enough to where it didn't get that bad. You know? But like I said, where we do see a lot of, uh, a lot of success is families of, of the mentally ill people who, who have been wrapped and have seen the video or were on scene that knew exactly what was going to happen. They 
the families come up to us and you'll see it on a video also, you know, the sister coming up saying, thank you so much for what you guys did. That was really, that was really awesome. And it's really cool also to see on these body worn uh, uh, videos, officers from neighboring agencies who maybe didn't know what the Volar app was and you hear them say, wow, that's really cool. I, I didn't know that existed. You know, we're not there anymore. We saw that early on. Now everybody knows who we are, but that, that's, those are the kind of success stories that we, we like. And we, we prefer the silent success of, of never knowing how bad it could have gotten because then it would be hindsight and, and that means it was a bad day for somebody. Well, absolutely. And I, it's difficult to measure prevention, but um, I really believe that this tool is um, a fantastic opportunity for uh, law enforcement to be able to de-escalate um, certain types of people in a, in a, in a really, um, uh, like you say, a, a force avoidance manner and that's everybody wants that no cop wants to get into a fight and nobody wants to really you know fight the police and uh, especially when we're talking about somebody who's mentally ill and we're seeing that so much more than we mm -hmm. were even 5 10 15 years ago mario Knapp, yeah. thank you for explaining all this to us where can people reach you where can they find out more about bola rap well you can always go to rap.com wrap.com or but you know you can always email me directly i'm, I'm not that formal uh my email is mnap so it's m-k-n-a-p-p at rap.com mario thanks for explaining all this to us thank you for your service in law enforcement and if you would like more information about the national police association visit us at nationalpolice.org put the gun down put the gun down Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.